Welcome to um, Lucia Gabriela TV, a place to be where we come to learn everything we can and how to master our love life, our relationships, and our sexuality. It's me, Lucia Gabriela, your host, and today we have an incredible speaker, and her name is Amy Baker. But before we dive deep into this amazing topic of today, which is about the malaise of the long-term relationship, how to get yourself sexy on throughout shift in human development, let's learn uh, what does Amy does and how she helps people. So Amy is a family advocate. To be a good family advocate, she addresses the need of each individual within the constellation of the family system. This includes the need of, for both individuation and attachment between members of a family, but it particularly focuses on need within the primary relationship and intimacy relational, sexual, and sensual component of that. Amy worked with men and couples in developing their sexy and the words and action they need to go with that. Thank you, Amy, for joining us into our show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was so excited about this topic, and I love that in your bio you mentioned that you uh, address the needs of each individual within the constellation of the family system, which is so important and so beautiful to see that integration in your work. So I'm really, really excited to learn from you today and uh, receive some goodies and insight and for our audience to really um, explore more and to master their relationship at a deeper level. So before we go into this amazing topic, we would like to learn from you. How did you start in this journey of helping families and being a family advocate? Um, well, about, I don't know, I've always been interested in human development and developmental psychology. And I had a, um, a learning center um, after leaving IT. Um, and then I found that um, middle school kids we're just all over the place and and our method of education was really um really not designed to promote critical thinking um so i opened up an early learning lab um to observe children aged one to five um and how they learn and then um what kinds of stimulus promotes a critical thinking process where um, I'm not a teacher imparting knowledge, but that we're like co-journeyers on the process. Um, and after doing that for 16 years, um, what I realized, and also having a weekly parent education component to that, um, I mean, I saw a lot of families over 16 years. And um, what I found is that as soon as these little kids came along, and especially when they got to be about two or three, the parents kind of lost their joie de vivre. They just kind of were like, you know, and um, they really appreciated the parent education components, but um, they lost their connection a little bit to each other. Um, so, and then I was just seeing all these behavioral things and all of these um a little bit of a dissatisfaction amongst everybody. I mean, you're, we're doing our things. We're just a busy society. Um, but what I ultimately decided was that um, 
I love working with children and I love having all that time um, to work on that. I went back to school to study the neurochemistry of the brain, particularly as it pertains to trauma and became a certified um, counselor and um, mediator to mediate conflict within the family um, and decided that I would go more into adult education and, and then over the last couple of years, I also became a certified um, Somatica Institute um, uh, trained sex, somatic, you know, sexological advisor, um, because that's certainly a part of it. Um, couples need to be talking about sex also if they're going to be talking about their relationships. Yes, it's a big, it's a big topic to... Uh to dive into it and I love that you uh, have the the wisdom and the, the, the skills to work with the aspect of the, the child in the family but also with the adult and the mature aspect of the individual but at the same time to give you a better understanding also of the inner child of that of that of that adult and and understand I feel like because studying like uh, human development also and like uh, children's psychology and things like that, it kind of like helps you to understand who we are as a grown up mm -hmm. a lot more and a lot deeper. And it's just so fascinating. This whole realm of psychology and human behavior and, 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 and trauma, trauma recovery and somatic work. It's just so fascinating that I love it. That's why I was like, I so love to have all you guys here uh, to share your wisdom and to also share with our community that, you know, we live in times where um, the information and the help is available. So whatever's happening in, in history or whatever's happening in our home, we can always turn now to um, YouTube or a website or a someone on social media and, and get some help. So that's a passion here in our show. So the topic is about the malaise of the long-term partnership. So we would like to dive deeper into that and, and try to understand what do you mean with the malaise of the long-term relationship and, and how it happened, how that is happening. And you mentioned already that by the time of two or three years old, you know, when we have kids, the relationship already like, you know, intimacy is not there and all that stuff. And, and I can see that a lot. But what do you mean with the malaise of the long-term partnership? Well, um, the malaise is just like, you know, malaise is, means sickness. And so, I mean, it's a little dramatic to say the malaise of the long-term partnership. But, um, but it is a little bit of a dis-ease not disease, but a dis-ease with one another. I mean, like people don't usually get together because they don't like each other. They get together because they do like each other. They have things that they like to do together. They have like a shared awareness or they have um, a shared mutual regard and respect for one another. And um, when you've been with someone for a really long time, you know, you can kind of start to just, you know, like, you know, my um, ex-husband would, you know, be doing the dishes after dinner and I'd just put the dishes in and he would take them. You know, you, you just, you finish each other's sentences, you finish each other's thoughts, you know, how each other moves. And then you don't have to work on anything anymore. 
I mean, you really do, but then you stop doing it because, you know, especially after children come, but, you know, I know couples who've been together for a really long time who don't do that. So this just becomes this incredible ease with one another that also creates, um, if you're not working on building intimacy constantly, and uh, which is actually easy to do, um, creates this just um, lack of um, excitement for one another. And um, even though you might still like them, um, there's things that might bug you about them, or there's things that um, you just thought were cool at one point and you don't anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many of you in the audience will be saying, well, I just heard you saying how to feel intimacy is easy, but I find it so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> And I find it, I don't have time for it. Like, what do you mean it's easy? So for those people who are like struggling with building intimacy in their relationship, uh, well, what do you, how do you see building intimacy in a relationship in a very easy, blissful, joyful, orgasmic way? Um, well, interestingly enough, um, Orgasms are, are a huge deal and they're so much fun and they're really, wow. Um, but um, building intimacy does require intention and it does require an intention of some daily time. Um, same like with your exercise schedule. If you think of it as something you have to do, then yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to be work. But if you think of it as something that's going to enhance your life, enhance your health, um, enhance your emotional and physical well-being, um, and also spur on maybe more orgasms than, um, you know, five minutes a day, five minutes a day, and maybe 20 to 30 minutes once or twice a week where you kind of touch base. Um, and that's not really a huge commitment. That's actually less time than it requires you to do exercise to have good heart health, right? So, um, um, but the deepening intimacy part is really what happens outside of the sex. Um, mm -hmm. And it's what makes the sex hopefully a lot better, a lot more connected, um, where you could have a full body orgasm. Um, uh, so because you care about that person and you know they're connected to you and all of this stuff that's you know, it's kind of like your fascia and your tendons that hold all your bones and muscles and everything together. Mm -hmm. um, you need those and you need to keep them kind of juicy and squishy. And that's where our intimacy comes in, um, is the conversations. How are you? And not while you're distracted, but like, how are you? Tell me about your day. I know we got five minutes before these kids go bonkers. Tell me about your day, right? Really connected just for five minutes. It might be, I tell um, parents of newborns, you do have five minutes to dance in the kitchen, all right? Or to rub up against each other in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. Just these mundane things that you're doing make, make an intention to make connection. Um, touch connection and also eye contact, 
Um, and also like a really heartfelt, like I care, how are you? Not just, hey, how are you? That's, a, that's not the same, right? And that's really how you build intimacy. And that's how you build a strand that can really withstand a long time. Just like, you know, doing yoga stretches your tendons and makes it so you can keep moving for a long time. Yeah. So um, what I think I hear from you is saying that in, in incorporating that, I'll call it the multidimensional aspect of communication, uh, also add the extra layer of intimacy in the relationship, which is yummy and delicious. And yes, you, it's like five minutes. It's like literally goes so fast. And, it, and it's so easy to just uh, be playful and have fun in the relationship and, and just be silly. Like one of the beautiful things I, I personally love to do to bring that into my life is I'm just, I'm just my silly self. Like there's a part of me that is so funny and silly and playful that it just takes like a few minutes to get there. And, and then I'm like, I get back to whatever I need to get done. But it definitely, I can tell my partner love that because it's just like, Oh my God, it's not like the same bore uh, routine every day. This, you never know what's going to happen in our home with me. I could be like all over the places and, and all these fun uh, activities and dancings and it could be very fun. So I definitely invite our community to tap into that aspect of, 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 of what brings you joy and, and just share that with your partner. Yeah. And you want to talk to share with uh, on that? Yeah, um, I love that you dance around and you get silly. Um, I think that it's an interesting thing in our culture where um, we, as women, um, and even as men, somewhat, you know, like as soon as you reach a certain age, you're not silly anymore. And we don't dink around. We're so serious. And women, no matter what age you are, still need to you know, be beautiful. Um, and it's really hard to be a beautiful dork. Um, <laughs> um, you know, who does that really well is Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> um, so I love that she's like just a sexy, beautiful woman and almost everything she does has a quality of dork to it. Um, and it's kind of a freeing idea to be joyful and to be silly. And actually being silly is a core element of like how we build personality and again, how we build communication and, um, and connection to one another. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I also um, like to share, and I usually, if you're on Facebook, you're always going to see me a creative playlist. And what I love to share is like to create a different time, like sensual, funny, joyful playlist, because I do believe that the music can help us to um, shake off and go, you know, get into a great mood. And when we are in our greatest mood and with our partners, it's like so, so beautiful to go create that. So mm -hmm. definitely a, a great playlist. Like the other day, um, somebody posted on Facebook, one of our, another uh, colleagues and I said, like, what kind of uh, playlist or songs do you like for, uh, sen you know, sensual touch or something like that? And I have a playlist for that. But I was just checking if I had something new. I'm always adding stuff to my playlist. 
And somebody just posted um, these women that I think it's her, her name, last name is Hill. Um, and she has such a beautiful, central, you know, central erotic voice and singing that is still like delicious. And I was like hooked into that. And I was like one after another song, after another song, creating a whole playlist. And then um, I asked a question for anger, you know, angry playlist, because I also have playlists for anger and sadness and things like that for some of my events. And, and somebody posted a song, and when I was looking at it on YouTube, that's why I love YouTube, because YouTube gives you, you never know, like, it's such a, a beautiful attraction. I don't care if they're algorithms or anything like that, but it brings the right people when you actually need it. And this uh, beautiful song came up that was blues, and I, I don't listen to blues that much, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden, these, the whole, the whole, you know, the auto playlist, <laughs> It was like, so, so beautiful. And I just went crazy with my partner. My partner was like having a lap dance. <laughs> like, it literally came out of nowhere <laughs> just by me creating my playlist. <laughs> he was loving it. <laughs> but um, definitely having a playlist, creating a playlist, in front of your partner and giving yourself permission to just be yourself. It could be another way of intimacy that I love to share. So I just wanted to share that with you. I love that. And that's actually a perfect example of you as an individual being who you are and doing the thing that you love and then allowing your and sharing it with your partner. So part of the connected attachment piece and your partner being in connection with you by appreciating that about you and then building connection, even though he's over here and you're over here, um, your individuals and then you you come together and you interconnect. And that's where I'm talking about in terms of the individuation and the attachment. So um, that's a perfect example of that. And I love that you're pointing out that. And I, that's why I said this conversation usually go with the flow. And I love you pointing out that because when I actually was doing that, I it came to me that how can we, you know, how, you know, that we're going to meet that many women and men feel restrained to do something like that because they have limited belief. And, um, and the thought of like, for example, oh, I have to do this for him. Oh, I have to do to please him or I have to do this because I had to save the marriage or because about the relationship. So it's like when they bring that, I have to, and it came to me when I was doing it, you know, you know, this limiting belief that we always have carrying around until we totally transcend them. And I was so, it was so beautiful to see that, that when we actually work in ourselves, like you talk about individualization, like being individual, being loving self-love so much and honoring our pleasure and our bliss, it's so beautiful to see that when we get to that level, it's just those thought goes away and we women or men can start being right. uh, not because we have to save the marriage but because we are amazing beautiful sensual erotic sexual mm-hmm. and all of this so i would love for you to uh talk more about this because this is really important like how people can actually stop these nonsense and these illusions that they have to do something to sustain a relationship so 
That brings up an interesting thing. It kind of depends. I mean, like as with young children, you know, we're shaped by temperament, by, you know, our compatibility, our attachment styles, all of these things play a part in how we behave on our own and in relation to anybody. It could be your partner, it can be your boss, it can be your kids, you know, um, which is truly generally informed by your early childhood attachment with your primary caregiver. So um, one of the things that um, is important about doing that um, part where you maintain, but not because, oh, I have to, I have to save the marriage or I have to, you know, from a fear-based place is what it really is, is um, to concentrate on, and I really wish that we did this more kind of as a culture, as a society, um, but, you know, there's so many different beliefs on this, is to really teach people how to develop a friendship first. Um, so we see someone and we think they're beautiful or so sexy or some other thing. And, um, and we want them and we want them to become attached to the external quality that we see. And then we become attached to the ego part of ourselves that feels like we'll be enhanced and elevated in some way by being in relation to that person. Um, and you're going to see trouble very fast, very, very fast. Even if these people do manage to, to stay together for a couple of years, there's something about a foundation that, and this sounds so old fashioned, um, but it's, it's evidence-based. You need a foundation of friendship, of positive regard, of caring about the other person as an individual and not about how they make you better, right? Which is called expressive individualism. I'm gonna get with you because you make me feel good about me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a recipe for despair and, um, and breakup. Um, it's not a long-term recipe. So you got to have these ingredients together where you have this positive regard, you have shared values, you have um, similar ideas on education and on children and on child rearing, you know, parenting style is a huge deal. I would love to see people long before they're knocked up be talking about um, how they want to parent, mm -hmm. right? So... Yes. Um, then you're in this connection, even during the boring parts, that um, is not then about saving the marriage or I need this because I need this, but it's about um, respecting the who that you are and also ex respecting the who that your partner is. Um, and so having ways to sustain that. And that's the part that like kind of keeps is the glue. Um, and then I typically think that sex is then like the um, the reward um, rather than the sex being the glue. Um, yes. That's not super sustainable forever. Um, yes. And, and I have it interesting you should point that because is I, I have couples that come to me all the time and they're like, you know, sex is good. It's great. You know, I have great, amazing sex. We have the 
BDSM kink. You know, we have all these. Yeah, we have all those tools, but something is not clicking. Something is missing. And they always come to find out what's missing. <laughs> and what's missing is that real, true, authentic, intimate connection that is not physical beef, but it's more like you mentioned before, the eye gazing, the divine touch, I call it, like that gentle, sublime touch. Um, I always say this it is seeing my partner as i will see source i know i'm going way beyond this but i'm always have to bring myself to this point that when i'm seeing my partner when i'm dealing with issue i had you know i bring the aspect of like how if let's say you're christian or catholic or whatever how will you treat jesus if he was in front of you and he was your lover Right, mm-hmm. and that, that sometimes I, I I question myself because when I was little, it's funny I'm sharing this because when I was little, I used to love all this. You know, I grew up in Catholic school and all that stuff, and, and I grew up in Ecuador. And usually the holidays, actually, we had the real movies, you know, about Jesus, you know, about Christmas time or you know, not Passover, but uh, what the other holiday, Easter, that mm-hmm. it was about Jesus too again. So I would grew up watching Jesus movies and I love it. And I always have the desire to have the gift that Jesus has about touching people and heal, right? <laughs> so that's that's like my somatic healing, you know, that I always go with that intention of like, if I was Jesus, what would I do? <laughs> love that. I love that. <laughs> so I, I for my clients experience somatic work, sometimes that's where I go. It's like, well, if I was aligned, you know, I was Jesus, what would I do? But I'm aligning with my true essence, right? Like you know, just with my partner, here we go. And and I always bring this, like, so let's say you're in Buddhism or you are in Hinduism or any kind of religion, believe, or angel, you know, angels, master, whatever you, if you have that person that it is external source, right? There's an the external mirror of you and your divine source and your divine self. If you had it in front of you, how would you treat them? How would you touch them? How would you kiss them? How would you seduce them, right? So I love that you do bring the divine and the sacred to the intimacy of relationships and then to the sex aspect. And it's true. You can be any belief whatsoever. And I always say, you know, even atheists and agnostics believe in some sort of God. They have some sort of thing that they, that, that they worship. Um, And I know this because I've spent periods of time as an agnostic, (laughs) When I was decided I was an atheist, but you know, the truth is we are all connected through the divine. So I love the laying of hands. I mean, the Jesus, the Judeo-Christian laying of hands on somebody and being part of that, that we touch our own sacred and our own divine um, when we do lay our hands on someone else. And, but we need to be in that intention around, you know, not just that haphazard. I love that you're so intentional like you ask yourself, how would I touch Jesus or how would Jesus touch this person? So that you are very intentional about the way that you are both being in your body and embodied in your body and also in the way that you're then expressing that outwardly for someone else because they're going to feel it and they're going to feel it if you're not embodied. So yes, that. yes, yes. So what else couples, um, we talk about, you know, the aspect of connection, the eye gazing, 
uh, the touch, which is beautiful, and that's my favorite love language. Um, I can really surrender to that. <laughs> um, when we talk about the, the struggles that couples have to connect and intimacy as an individual, um, as an individual in their homeland and could create something amazing, what else do you feel that they can start practicing um, or feeling or getting an insight or stepping into um, to create more intimacy into, into their life? Um, well, I think that definitely, I mean, especially if you are, if you've become a couple that is um, living in the same house, but you're really disconnected, um, it can be hard to break down the walls that have developed because there's walls that have developed. Um, you don't get that way by staying in connection, right? So um, there, so you need to set an intention, um, you know, and it's really hard when one person wants to be connected and the other one is so shut down that you um, can't even hear their partner's supplication for the need to connect. Um, and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of perseverance. I mean, it's definitely easier to stay ahead of that, you know, like, um, like with any illness, like with a, you know, sprained ankle, you don't keep on, you know, using it, you take care of it or whatever. So if you stay in front of things, then it's easier to do because then you have to set a super deep intention. If you're the one who's like, God, you know, I never thought that I would be living in this way, crying on the bathroom floor because I miss my partner and he or she just doesn't even see me, right? So the way to stay in front of it is to set the intention. Um, actually, the Gottman Institute just yesterday released a study about um, about one hour of absolute set scheduled time that you sit down with your partner and discuss the things that are hard. Um, but you set it up in a way, in a space where you first start with um, affirmation, right? And then you, you share five things that you're um, grateful for in your partner. And not just, I like that you have nice hair. I like that, you know, but like try to reach in um, and share something. Cause you know, the Gottman Institute believes that you should be doing an, a daily gratitude thing, one thing with your partner. So when you're sitting, when you're in this hour discussion, which could feel like an eternity if you haven't talked to each other, um, for a while, um, then you have an exchange of those gratitudes and then you move into some things that maybe were hard for you over the week or things that you would like to set up for the following week. And, um, and if you're just starting this, what a great practice. But if you've been together for 10 or 15 or 30 years and you've never done this, it's going to be really, really hard. So maybe you take these baby steps and maybe the baby steps are that just that you touch each other, just a very like intentional, hi, I'm so glad to see you. Um, or maybe it's um, that you absolutely make sure that before you go to sleep at night, um, 
you give each other a gratitude. Um, you know, I really appreciate that that you're here and you show up in this way. You know, because if you concentrate on the things that your partner isn't doing, it's not going to build up. Um, you want to concentrate on the things that you can be grateful for, because frequently we'll we'll rise to the occasion when someone kind of when we feel like we're seen by somebody. Mm, I love this conversation and this topic. Um, yes. I love to tune in into all that information that has been shared and just let my body feel it and it just feels orgasmic. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, oh. yeah, I feel like you have covered so many great topics and and what I, I, I resonated so well with you also was the aspect of friendship. I definitely believe by all my own experience too that that having that foundation of friendship is, is so powerful, so important. And how do you start with friendship though? Because people, you know, I believe they come very natural. It's something that is natural, that is not forced. It's not like I, because that's how we start with my partner. And, and, and I can tell that from the beginning, it was going to be a friendship, a beautiful relationship that we'll be friends forever. Even if uh, we, we have spoken, you know, spoken to each other and said like, even if we um, separate in the future or a path goes to different ways and uh, my career takes me here and, and he develops his own path and passion and, and we are not in alignment to be learning from each other anymore. Um, we always know that our friendship will always be there because that's how we started. It was unconditional. We were there for each other. And it came very natural. And actually the relationship took us for a surprise. Um, but how can people do that? I mean, I find like many, like you mentioned, everybody is so caught up in that external thing. Oh, this person has this, 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 yeah. And I love that you said, um, that I think I hear you saying that, um, Oh, that person's status will bring me up, right? Like the whole aspect of the ego. I love them. And you mentioned because it makes me realize something that I've been working on myself with another fantasy that I had. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be vulnerable on my YouTube channel so everybody knows. So, so you know, this fantasy is like, oh, when you said I was, oh my God, that could have been the reason why this fantasy is still there because this aspect of my ego is like so wants to feel that like validation of feel that this person will raise me up to this level. And you know, this delusion that sometimes we, we live in. Um, and it, how can we create awesome friendship, you know, without being attached that those friendship will end up in a relationship because I feel like the attachment will ruin the friendship. <laughs> right, right. And it can. Um, my little joke is usually it's children that ruin the relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say one. I have one. <laughs> um, you know, 
It's an interesting deal. And it's very counter to the current culture, you know, where you swipe right or you can, you know, see who wants to have a hookup who's within five minutes away from you. But if you go into it with your intention being who is a willing and available and logistically convenient person to hook up parts with, um, it's hard to develop a friendship from the other the other way. Um, and so this is kind of not a very popular opinion right now. And maybe it speaks to my age or whatever else. But um, the truth of the matter is, because I am about research and about evidence-based um, whatever it is that I'm doing, is that um, an expectation of having great sex or great um, um, connection or that this this person's so hot, they're going to make me look so good. Or, you know, like whatever else is not really um, congruent with the idea of building deep in, deep intimacy and deep knowledge of one another. So one of the things that um, was kind of interesting when I met my husband when I was like 19 was that now my ex-husband um, was that I just thought he was so handsome. I just thought he was so handsome. Um and um, and then I was shy. Um, and I also did not know myself well enough to know that I had gifts also to bring to a relationship. So that's one part right there. You have to know that you have gifts that you bring and you need to develop those so that you feel really confident in yourself and you're not even starting from a position of this person's gonna make me feel better about myself. So, which is super hard, which is super, super hard. And that's actually one of the things that I work on with my clients. Like you are who you are and you are good right in this moment you are. And we have this tremendous capacity to always be evolving and to always be learning. And so um, to notice how you can shift and become... I don't want to say better because that implies a qualitative um, thing, like you weren't good enough to begin with, but that you can always be in this moment and know. So if you're not starting from a place, and usually we all are, um, where uh, I don't know if I have all the, you know, like I really like this person and I don't know if I'm, you know, going to be good enough for them. So, um, so the hookup kind of like really, takes the pressure off and allows you just to offer something that might provide a hook for that person. And um, it's not usually going to work. So if you approach things with, uh, we got together because we both loved rollerblading. This was back in the nineties, you know, and we rollerbladed like four or five times a week. We rollerbladed to a pub five, 10 miles away. <laughs> we just did all this stuff and we had a really good time. And we just did that for like two years. And then we started, you know, like cooking together during that time because, you know, so we just developed these things that we found that we liked and which sounds so boring and it's, and it seems so slow, you know, um, but it's a way to, no matter what, because we've been divorced now for, you know, five years um, and we still spend our holidays together and we still um, co-raise our children together. And I would say that um, no matter what, we have an attachment to one another because we liked each other, 
for like six years before we got even together as a couple. Um, so um, if your goal is passion, 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 um, which a lot of it is because passion's amazing, right? Um, it's hard to build the friendship then after all of that because you're riding on oxytocin and all that dopamine and all that stuff that confuses you about what you liked about the other person to begin with. So um, I always, um, it's just, it's just not sexy their hat um, about who you're, who you're hanging with and make sure that you're bringing, you know, um, an idea of yourself that is that you are good enough and right and perfect in this moment. Um, Cause if you try to make someone else make you feel that way, that's also not sustainable. Hmm. Beautiful. Yes. Wow. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love the, um, that you have your gift when it comes to relationship. I never really thought of it that way. Um, and, you know, I'm always sharing and talking about, you know, what are your values and what are your standards and and what it is that uh, who you are. But it's so important to know what your gifts are, too. Because, like, I know, like, when you start learning to know who you are, and, and have you noticed that sometimes when we, we are in, in a topic, sometimes, like, this little thing that seems so obvious is not clear enough. So when you just mentioned that, this whole um, blurry thing got out of my sight. And I was like, oh, my God, that also is a great aspect of, of yes, we know who we are. But sometimes we know a gift, but we don't have them uh, so crystal clear. So when we come into a relationship, when we come from a place of clarity of like really knowing who we are, we know our boundaries, we know our standards, our values, and, and uh, you know, now a gift, you know, more clearly. Mm-hmm. And not just like, you know, something, oh, yeah, it's there, but it's not here. And when we walk into relationship, having all these I would call it diplomas, right? Having all this, that this is, you know, this is me, this is me. Uh, I, I'm using an analogy, maybe it doesn't sound right, but uh, it's something that I'm like just working on my head is, it's just so powerful to just show up with all of that. And and the more clear you are with all that aspect of yourself and maybe something else besides gift and, and boundaries and, and, and experiences, um, and good memories, not bad memories, but just good memories. <laughs> and, you know, in that sense, it's so important to come up, to come to a relationship with that. So I really appreciate that. That is, that was really a powerful uh, insight for me to just open up to it. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, you know, and while you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, this applies to everyone, but there are certain there are certain considerations. You know, if you think of Maslow's triangle, um, if you're struggling to have your basic needs met, it's really hard to actualize a really higher plane intimate relationship. Um, so I want to um, just address that because I want to have compassion and empathy for people who. Um, 
for whom it's going to be really hard to get to this, I am good and perfect and right in this moment when um, you don't know where you're going to eat um, or how you're going to feed your children. So, um, so I mean, like we're kind of on this higher consciousness conversation here. Um, and ideally, um, you know, everyone could be having this conversation and there are some real serious social ills that makes it really hard. Also the way you were raised. I mean, if you were abused or your parents were abusive with one another, you know, it's really, really going to be hard because you guys zero model and you're probably coming from a place of deep trauma and mm-hmm. avoidance. Okay. So I just want your, your, um, viewers to understand and not beat themselves up if they're just like, Oh, how do I even do this? Because, um, you know, I'm terrified because my mom was an alcoholic and my dad was, you know, took care of us or, you know, whatever the, the situation was, my dad beat my mom, and my mom ran around, you know, I'm terrified of relationship. I just want them to beat themselves up because, we all come from the place we came from. And then ideally we're all working on um, becoming the most embodied and most self-actualized person that we can be. But realize that that is moving up the triangle of, um, and there's a lot of steps before that. So. Yeah. And you're making a great point because um I, this is what I like. I know that you study psychology and sociology, and you come, you bring in this into the conversation on some level because uh, it, it was very interesting for me uh, in one of my sociology classes that uh, the prejudice of uh, even having uh, a very unique name that may be uh, sound African American, right. it could lead you to a job or not. It just to have the name, that shocked me when I read those studies. I was like, those those uh, those videos and documentaries about it, it shocked me because I was like, oh my God, really? That that people really discriminate at that level just because your name sounds, and you, it was just amazing. But at the same time, this, when I always invite our viewers to really be open-minded and learn and, and not just learn you know, from within, which is great. That's like my core. Like I love to have that internal wisdom that come and speak through, but also understand and have, like you say, the compassion to understand at a global level, at a sociological level, at a psychological level, what had what may have affected the people in our life. And 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 when you talk about um, that aspect of like having the compassion yes you know not everyone was born in the silver spoon right not everybody was was born in our home and when they show the statistic about how this is you know the society of now of of, of us who grew up and our parents got divorced and and who has the more chances to succeed in life just because of different factors there's actually a facebook video on that where this trainer um who uh, have all this uh, 12 graded lineup and said and mentioned all this fact about, you know, who of you stepped forward and um, your parent had not been divorced, like, you know, and uh, if you you have a cell phone and just keep going forward, keep forward. And then when you turn around and you look, it's like, it's not even you as individuals sometimes that 
has um that give you the opportunity but also what is happening in, in your life and your family so it's really really important conversation to have and and become aware of that to have the compassion and and to have that self-love um and yes yes and we can talk forever about that but it was just really fascinating thank you thank you for bringing that up <laughs> <laughs> The thing that you just said that kind of made me just go, okay, yeah, here's the thing. Have the conversation. We need to be in constant conversation. It's not like we're going to have one conversation. We're done. We know everything about it now. We don't have to have that conversation again. It's a continual cycle of, um, of learning ourselves, of learning another, of adding a layer of compassion. It's definitely about being vulnerable is hard to build intimacy. In fact, I would say it's impossible without being vulnerable. Um, you have to kind of lay your underbelly open and trust that um, your partner or whoever else that you're dealing with is going to accept that gift and not harm you. Um, and then you build more trust. But you have to stay in the conversation all the time. Um, whether you've just met someone and you're becoming friends or you've been together, I would say particularly before you get pregnant, while you're pregnant, for sure. And it's so hard because you're so exhausted during that first five years of your child's life because um, it can all go down the drain because we're so child-centered in the way that we um, do family now. I mean, the last 25 years has seen a tremendous shift from the primary partnership-centric family to the child-centered family. So, um, and, um, you know, and this is something that I also encourage um, couples and also parents of newborns. I can't say this enough. You have to stay in conversation. Even the conversation of... What is most important to us? Are we the primary or is this relationship to this child or these children the primary? Um, and how are we going to make this work depending on what our answer is to that? But you're right. You have to stay in conversation. Yeah. So. Yes. Conversations are really, really important and powerful. And I, from my experience, to what you said, to what um, Amy Baker has said is just please, yes, have conversations. Right. I tell you, uh, my daughter's nine years old, and I wish I have listened. I wish I have conversations about parenting before or even during pregnancy because I could have saved myself so much struggle and $10,000 in legal fees. <laughs> Because of the parenting aspect of it. And I'm really serious about this. Please, please have conversations. Really get to the needy treaty. You having vaccinations, yes or no? Uh, how are you going to raise your child? Private school, uh, you know, public school, uh, Montessori, World of, whatever, homeschool, not homeschool. Uh, are you going to have a subscription or not? Yes or no? Like, what is really have those conversations because um it's really truly important when when you have a, a kid and and because not having conversations many times we our kids 
experience the same cycles, toxic cycles that we have experienced in our life. And I share that by experience. So please, audience, I love you. We love you so much. If you're going to gain something from this video today, this episode today, having conversations before relationship and before having kids, please do so. Mm -hmm. Do so. Awesome. So how can we find you? We can talk forever. <laughs> I know. I can see this. Um, well, we're at, I'm at www.divdesignagency.com. That's D-I-V. It stands for Dignity, Integrity, Veracity. Um, Designagency.com. Um, and um, we offer family mediation, couples mediation as an alternative to the longer-term therapy modalities. And certainly as an alternative to um, divorce lawyers um, to stay in conversation. And we also offer um, sex coaching, intimacy coaching, um, and also um, just ways to continue to be in conversation and to communicate ways to think about things. So, and we're in Seattle, Washington, gray, gray Seattle, Washington. I love it. I, I have so many people that always talk to me about Seattle, Washington, and I really want to go one day, but I have to go in the summer. <laughs> yeah, you would need to come in the summer because if you came today, you would be so sad. You would wonder why you left your home. <laughs> yeah, we would be like, mm. yeah. I mean, in Florida right now, it's nice and cool, it's like 60s. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. And we complain about it. That's nice. I couldn't even see the tallest building in Seattle this morning from my house because it was just locked in black clouds. Wow. Wow. Um, so I think about the weather today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. We appreciate you so, 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 so much. Um thank yeah, you for so sharing your work too. So Thank you. Thank you. All right. So again, you can go to divdesign.com, right? Divdesignagency.com. Awesome. That's where you're going to be able to find Amy and uh, reach out to her uh, and come to visit to her. If you are in Seattle area or you want to travel. Um, are putting on three workshops called the Embodied Erotic. Um, and so, um, if you want to get into this, not this level of conversation, but into some juicy conversations and then have some experiential hands-on exercises, um, look us up on Facebook at the embodied erotic. Ooh, that's, that's my round too. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate you. Blessings to you. And thank you to all our community today for joining to another amazing, juicy, erratic, delicious episode at Lucia Gabriela TV, the place to be where we come to learn how to master our life, our relationship, and our sexuality. See you next time. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Awesome.